Welcome to That's What She Said, a podcast of sermons at Galileo Christian Church, Disciples of Christ. Galileo exists to seek and shelter spiritual refugees, who for us are people for whom the church has become boring, irrelevant, exclusive, or even painful, especially people who have been pushed out because of their gender or sexuality. If you yourself are a spiritual refugee, we're especially glad you're listening. We're in the third week of a worship series called Who's On First? We are exploring Jesus' use of metaphor in John's gospel to describe his own identity. And then we're riffing on those I am statements to help us think about our congregational identity, particularly as regards the co-conspiracy. The co-conspiracy of Galileo Church is coming up for renewal on Pentecost. That's May 23rd this year. And that's our chance to make another, or perhaps your first, one-year commitment to prioritize the mission of Galileo Church. We've identified seven marks or practices that co-conspirators aspire to, and we have talked about two of those already in the weeks just past. Last week, Dr. Irie talked about contemplation of our baptism, past or future, a commitment we make as members of the co-conspiracy. And the week before that, we talked about the sharing of material resources to further the church's goals. Tonight, the third installment, the extension of the church's welcome to friends, neighbors, strangers, and enemies. A bit of context for this reading in John chapter 10. It's coming just after, get this, John chapter 9, which is a very long story about a man who has been blind for his whole life and Jesus' reversal of his sightlessness and the subsequent harassment the man endures from the very religious persons, the VRPs who are scandalized that somehow God has gotten out of their box, that something lovely and miraculous has happened outside of their tightly bounded institution. Jesus, here in chapter 10, is continuing to rebuke and refute the VRP's insistence on rigorous and restrictive gatekeeping by declaring that he himself is wait for it, the gate. John 10, 1 through 10. Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice, and they won't follow a stranger, but they'll run from a stranger because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate 
for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Content consideration I seem to give a lot lately. There will be mention of violence against black bodies in this sermon. If there is a gate, there must be a fence. Maybe you already know there's more than one kind of fence. If I asked you to think about your least favorite word pictures for the Christian faith and its collective expression in this thing we call church, I'm guessing that for a lot of you, a certain kind of fence would be right up there. Lots of us on here know what it feels like to be fenced out, yeah? By bad religion drawing bad borders boundaries enforced to protect power structures and purity cults and the privileged existence of those who benefit most by keeping it tight. High walls built around the very heart of very God, religion as a sacred security system meant to keep the riffraff out. Open parentheses. Little do the border guards know what we know that God routinely escapes the compound to party with the riffraff out on the margins because the parties inside those fences are stiff and altogether unfun. And oh, my beloved riffraff church, we are due for some parties, are we not? In the name of Jesus, the Christ who turned water to wine and never refused an invitation to celebrate, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha, and we will turn up the karaoke for you out here on the margins beyond the fences that keep us out of respectable religiosity. Thanks be to God. Close parentheses. So, fences. Not our favorite metaphor for anything having to do with our own open borders practice of the Christian faith. But, and, here's another word picture for you because, regrettably, I don't have any actual photographs to show you of this real-life occurrence. At the Hayes Poppy Homestead, which is my family's little acreage in semi-rural Tarrant County, we had an incursion last week of cattle. Our new neighbor's new cows lumbered across the mostly dry creek bed on our northern border, escaping the power tools, I think, that must have spooked them on the neighbor's side. They were soon followed by several of the neighbors themselves. The unhappy cows were confronted by three generations of poppies, plus one faithful German shepherd on our side, which did not much help the situation. Picture the humans waving their hats and yelling in English and Spanish to persuade the cows back across the mostly dry creek bed. 
picture the German shepherd having the time of her life, finally doing the hurting work she was born for. But most of all, picture the cows jogging heavy, confused circles around the creek house, clambering up the hill breathlessly to our house, a little bit wide-eyed and mooing their distress. It would have been funnier had the cows not been scared. Rest assured, no cattle or humans were harmed in the writing of this sermon. As of this writing, all cattle and humans have returned to their respective plots, and our neighbor has put up a sturdy fence to keep every body in its rightful place. All is well. All is well. Except for the bobcat that has lately been prowling the homestead at night looking for loose chickens. We are being extra careful these days to gather the flock into its coop at the first dimming of daylight. As the stars appear, the goats also happily return to the enclosed pole barn for restful sleep. Let the coyotes howl the night away in protest. Fences, I'm saying, provide a measure of safety for vulnerable creatures. Fences make it possible for defenseless beings to rest easy. A fence says to those safely inside it, you belong here, and you can let down your guard here, and you can breathe all the way to the bottom of your lungs here, because here you are at home. It's in that spirit that we can appreciate Jesus' sheepfold with a gate metaphor in John 10. Because if we know the hurt of being fenced out, we also know how precarious it is for sheep outside the sheepfold, powerless and endangered, hunted and attacked, perpetually exhausted from staying on high alert all the time. When we talk about Galileo Church being a safe space, we're employing the positive fenced-in sheepfold metaphor. We're saying, in here, in this protected space, you can be all the way who God created you to be, and no one will make you afraid. In here, draw near to God's heart and rest easy. You are at home. In that sense, good fences make good religion. Which is why I'm thinking Jesus does not come at the VRP's fence-building impulse directly. He does not want, at least in this use of the metaphor, to knock that fence down entirely because, well, because there are sheep inside. Vulnerable sheep who bring out his own protective instincts. Only... He says, you VRPs have missed something essential about your fence. It has a gate, of course, all fences do. And while you think of yourselves as gatekeepers, you have failed to recognize that I am the gate. And this gate opens for whom it pleases. And no gatekeeper is going to restrict or refuse the comings and goings of these little lambs. 
Anybody who wants to come near to God's heart, Jesus says, anybody who needs the safety and snuggle of being held by God, they come through me. Through me, Jesus says, because I am the gate. Through me, he says, because I am the opening in your fence. Through me, he says, because I am the access to green pastures and still waters, and they shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Abundant life, he calls it in verse 10. Abundant life, streams of mercy, never ceasing, an overflowing cup, all you can eat, more than enough for the rest of forever, because that's just how it is in the pasture of God's heart. Jesus as gate in a fence surrounding the sheepfold where God's own are kept close preserves a reality that we also know very well. We need a fence because There are bobcats lurking in the shadows, coyotes howling their hunger all through the night, thieves and bandits, Jesus calls them, who come only to steal and kill and destroy, those who take what is not theirs, those who exploit weakness for their own gain, those who rend apart what God has so lovingly woven together. In the word picture that Jesus is painting, the villains steal sheep away from God's heart. And don't we know it? (laughs) Haven't we found ourselves pulled away from close communion with God by bad doctrine, by abusive church leaders, by heartless fundagelical churches that insist that sameness is salvific? Haven't we mourned the distance stretched out between ourselves and our creator, enraged against the obstacles placed on our path of faith, sometimes, sometimes even tricked into believing that God's own self has moved away from us, only to discover later that thieves and bandits have done it, the sneaky bastards with scripture fashioned in the clubs and traps, bobcats in sheep's clothing sometimes, or gatekeepers' uniforms sometimes. The metaphor spins out meaning like a centrifuge. Maybe you've heard, there's an art exhibit in the Big Red Barn right now that has scripture fashioned into all kinds of things, literally. The artist has torn pages from countless Bibles and paper macheed them into indictments. For example, there's a giant wasp's nest made of paper mache, the hexagonal prisms holding rosaries and crucifixes, the, the nest giant, giant, representing the structure, the artist says, of the Roman Catholic Church, or any church, I'd say, that protects perpetrators of sexual abuse. There's a spinning wheel suspended in mid-air for another sculpture. It has at the top pages falling out of a Bible overhead. The pages pulled onto the spinning wheel and spun through its mechanism until they come out on the other side, shredded and heavily redacted, practically unreadable. That piece is called Spin Doctors. 
and it's not hard to figure out who they are. It's the preachers, said one observer matter-of-factly. I'm standing right here, I wanted to say, but did not. The exhibit taken as a whole tends to obliterate defensiveness. Among the nine sculptures in the exhibit are several that have unsettled me deeply. Let me tell you about one of them. The one that is mounted atop our baptistry so that you can see it from head to toe, it's called Gone, as in Gone with the Wind, at least in the first place, as it is a life-sized papier-mâché antebellum ball gown with layers and layers of fluffy ruffles around the tight bodice and the huge round hem, a wide sash tied in a flouncy bow at the back. The entire exquisite gown is made of pages of the Bible. Layers and layers and layers of sacred text. Except for one small section in the front where the dress's hem is permanently pulled up to expose the petticoats underneath. The petticoats are also made of paper, but the most unholy paper imaginable. Photographs of lynchings black bodies swinging above white spectators, historic photographs that were mailed as postcards by those who attended. Gone, she calls it, gone. And it takes on new meaning when you get close enough to see under that beautiful dress. The piece speaks to the historical reality that racist violence was, is, often done for the sake of white Christian women, for the so-called protection of white Christian women's so-called virtue. It brings me face to face with an inherited legacy of Christian purity culture, sexual purity and race purity all mixed up in a sickening potion deadly to those whose lives it stole killed and destroyed with a lingering toxicity in the bodies that keep trauma's score. Black bodies subjected endlessly to violence unto this day and my own white body bearing the burden of shame even while I am lifted up on the platform of white Christian privilege. Here is why I am telling you this. In any number of ways lately, we who are white and Christian have been confronted with the reality that racism, white supremacy, and white privilege are running amok in the world we inhabit. Bobcats and coyotes, thieves and bandits, making it nigh impossible for black bodies to ever really be at rest. Black bodies that keep the score of generations of trauma. 
black lives truncated by violence, by diminished educational and vocational opportunity, by racist policing and racist voting restrictions and racist housing policy and racist medical procedures and so much more. And we who are white and Christian, if we're paying attention, are also being asked to understand that our very own religious faith has often been complicit in and sometimes even the creator of racist ideology and systems. We who are white and Christian, in short, are standing on a foundation of racist shit. And if you stand on shit, everybody knows. Some of it is going to stick to you. Earlier this week, Bruce Reyes Chow, a Presbyterian whom I admire, <clears throat> asked on Twitter whether open and affirming churches, that is, churches that practice the full inclusion of LGBTQ plus humans, feel like they have to keep saying that out loud, making it explicit again and again. Oh, I could easily answer yes to that and name any number of realities at Galileo Church that aim to make any queer beloved who walks in our door, IRL or virtually, 100% sure that they are 100% safe here. We are a damn good gate in that way, church. Just like Jesus. Ensuring access for those who seek the green pastures of God's heart. Tending a kindly fence that keeps the haters at bay so that in here, everyone can let their guard down and rest. Sometimes people ask me, why do you have to keep flying that rainbow flag, making such a big deal out of being LGBTQ inclusive? Mm, cis straight people ask me that. Because, I say, because the heteronormative church has for so long made explicit the opposite of that. So we'll fly the pride flag of inclusion and invitation for as long as it takes until we've matched and surpassed the explicitly exclusive practices of the church that came before us and still surrounds us. I think we're going to be flying those flags for a long time, don't you? So here's my question, one for which I don't have an answer tonight and won't for a long time to come. If a church does justice for LGBTQ people because it recognizes the harm that the church has done to LGBTQ people, what does that same church do as it comes to recognize the harm the white church has done to black people and indigenous people and Asian people and Latinx people and so on. Asked another way, given that the white church had a significant role in the racist development of this country, what then is the white church's role in dismantling racist systems and systems of white supremacy and privilege in this country? Asked another way, if we built it, is it not ours to tear down? The co-conspiracy of Galileo Church, that is to say the yes that we're invited each year to say yes to prioritizing the mission of Galileo Church, 
The co-conspiracy asks seven practices of us, and one of those is extension of the church's welcome to friends, neighbors, strangers, and enemies. We could imagine this practice like a gate that offers entrance to the safe space we've carved out here. We're meant not to be protectionist. We're meant not to cut ourselves off from what's happening out there just because we've found safe haven in here. But rather, we're called to grant access to come alongside Jesus in opening the way for all those who seek God's gracious heart. Let me be clear, however. Black people in this country don't need the white church to open its literal doors and say, all are welcome here, come on in. <laughs> black Christians and many others have found their way to God's heart apart from culturally white churches like ours. Jesus is the gate to a good many pastures, it seems, so we don't have to worry about that. But I am becoming increasingly convinced that any white church that feels safe and snug inside its own protective fences without coming to terms with the reality that our inherited whiteness has been the root of all kinds of evil, without pledging itself to the undoing of all the injustice, all the real harm that has been done in Jesus' name by people who look like us and pray like us. Well, we are at risk of our fence becoming like those VRP's fences. The kind of fence that restricts and refuses access. The kind that separates and segregates according to some standard we made up or inherited, unexamined, unreckoned with. The kind that poisons our rest here in this safe space, poisons us with a comfortable numbness to the ways we keep participating in systems of exclusion and oppression. Jesus said, I am the gate, I am the way in. The community of belonging in Jesus' name, therefore, must be about the work of opening access, of removing impediments, of getting itself out of the way. Extension of the church's welcome to friends, neighbors, strangers, and enemies. We ask of each other as co-conspirators in this gospel. If we say our yes to that commitment again this year, what will it mean for our life together in seasons to come? I'm asking. I don't know. I only know that Jesus is the gate. And he beckons us come through. Apparently, there are even greener pastures beyond this one. And life even more abundant than we have enjoyed up to now. That's a Jesus gate I'd like to go on through. And I'm hoping that you'd come with me. With thanks to my friend and colleague, Ken Berry.
The story goes that one of the founders of our denomination, the Christian Church, Disciples of Christ, answered correctly the doctrinal questions that were required of him prior to the Lord's Supper in his church, and thus earned a token he could exchange for the bread and cup at the table of our Lord. But when he got to the table, he turned in his token and refused the sacrament because, he said, Jesus' table should be open to all who profess faith in Jesus as Lord. Good for him. That same man, in years to come, when he immigrated to the United States, would inherit black persons to work his farm, would refuse to condemn slavery in Jesus' name, and would teach the supremacy of the white race as Christian doctrine. At this table, we have to tell the truth about that and do it in humility because that's where we come from. The good news is Jesus is the gate and right here is where he opens himself wide and then a little bit wider over and over and over again beckoning us to come on through to God's heart no matter who we are or what we've inherited here we have access to abundant life through him let's remember and give thanks thanks for listening to that's what she said this podcast is preached almost always by our lead evangelist, Reverend Dr. Katie Hayes. Galileo Church has five missional priorities. We do justice for LGBTQ plus people and those who love them. We do kindness to those in mental and emotional distress and celebrate neurodiversity. We do beauty for our God who is beautiful. We do real relationship, no bullshit, ever. And we do whatever it takes to share this good news with the world God still loves. To support the production of this podcast and the ongoing missional priorities of this church, go to GalileoChurch.org and click on Conspire With Us. You'll have options to use your Venmo or PayPal or use your credit card or bank account. Any amount helps. And if you're kind enough to share your contact information with us, we'll continually send you thanks. Peace.